This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Roy Williams, author of the book Pendulum. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Hey, it's great to be here, Glenn. Uh, it's a, it's an honor to talk to you. I'd love to sit down with you at some point and 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 really go in depth. I tell you, I I read your book. People have been telling me about this book since it came out, and I've got a stack of books uh, that I I have to go through. Well, I, I picked imagine, yeah. I I picked your book up, and I think I finished it in three hours. I couldn't turn the pages fast enough. What a wow. what a tremendous tremendous uh, work you have done. Um, Thank you. F- for anybody who doesn't know what it is, um, explain it. Oh, gee, Glenn. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just explain the general theory, and then okay. we'll get into specifics. General okay. theory. Basically, um, there's a there's a there's a window of time, and uh, it, it's spoken of 27 different times in the Bible. And it says that we become an entirely different people every 40 years. And I, I tried to figure out why that was happening, and I realized that um, we're torn between two good things. Of course, all the most important decisions in life are the choice between two good things. Those are the only hard choices, you know, justice or mercy, um, you know, freedom or responsibility, uh, honesty or loyalty. These things are both good, of course, but they come into conflict. And so what happens is we always overvalue one. And as a society, as the the body politic, as the group, we overvalue it and we take a good thing too far. And it's very predictable how long it takes us to do this. And then we begin to realize what we've done. And it begins to feel empty and, and we begin to see the the dark underbelly of what we've done. And we start going back the other direction. And when we reach the middle, halfway between the two extremes, things are usually pretty good. And then when we take the other good thing too far, we have the same problem. And so from one extreme to the other extreme is 40 years. But a a complete round trip is 80 years. And you can chart this for the past 3,000 years, Glenn. I, I was, I was, how long did it take you to chart this? Because, I mean, I, you know, you go back all the way 3,000 years and you see it. And how long did it take you? Well, it, it came on me in a weird kind of an intuition. I, I woke up one morning in 2003. It was about this time of year. And, you know, I think in the autumn, a lot of us get a little bit reflective. We start thinking about, you know, the year that we're kind of wrapping up and uh, yeah. did we get everything done we wanted to do? And I was in kind of that frame of mind and it hit me. In late 2003, I said, you know, I remember this. This is 1963 all over again. Mm-hmm. I remember 1963, but we're going the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And the thought was so clear in my head, Glenn. And I said, what the heck? And I just began to investigate it. Now it took about a year for me to get to the bottom of it. And then I began to present it as a, as a presentation all over the world. 
uh, mostly to advertising professionals. And um, then finally, people said, you have to put this in a book. And I said, well, we don't really want to do that because now we're getting into the ugly part. In 2004, 2005, 2006, it was exciting. It was fun because we're down near the balance point, which was 2003. I said, but when we get past 2013, we're in real trouble. And I said, nobody's going to want to read this book if it comes out mm. in 2012 because the next you know, 10 years are pretty, pretty weird. Okay, so um, um, as I read the comparisons, and you go all the way back, as you read the comparisons, um, first of all, let's explain the two zeniths are the we generation and the me generation. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, and remember, these are both good things. I mean, everybody's tendency, Glenn, is to choose one and then disparage the other. But there are no bad extremes. Um, we just always take a good thing too far. And so a we is basically working together for the common good. It's whenever nobody is worried about personal freedom or self-expression. They're worried about working together for the common good. And in a we, which is where we're at now, or Who going find, into. Yeah, well, we've been in it since 2003, but when you hit 2013, you're halfway up the 20-year upswing. We're at so the zenith. Get, We're at the, the zenith. zenith is 2023. 2023 okay. is when it's as bad as it's going to get. And so uh, at 2013, things start to accelerate. And, you know, I, I started saying that in 2004. The point being this, um, whoever defines the common good um, kind of controls the masses Um, And then the the me generation on the other extreme is about individuality, self-expression, you know, do your own thing, march to the beat of a different drummer, you know, uh, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Second place is the first loser. And so me is all about individuality and self-expression and freedom. And we is all about uh, groupthink. It's about we need to clean up this mess. We need to get together and straighten this horrible tragedy out so to tell me tell me the because you you know you, you make it very clear in the book and the examples of what we're headed for are pretty frightening um if you look in the past well, you want to give some of them well yeah now let's look at the me for a second um at the zenith of the of the last me okay which was 1983 Ronald Reagan is president, and he says to Mikhail Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And uh, at the zenith of the me before Teddy Roosevelt, uh, excuse me, before Ronald Reagan, we had Teddy Roosevelt. Yeehaw, let's go down to Cuba and become a world power. And at the zenith of the, of the me prior to Teddy Roosevelt, we had James Monroe, who gave us the Monroe Doctrine. And he's the one who he's the president who told Europe, if you come into our hemisphere, we will sink your ships. We are at war. We will end you. So the Monroe Doctrine is the first time in the history of America we stood up and flexed our muscles and said, don't be coming over here messing around. And so from James Monroe and then Teddy Roosevelt and then Ronald Reagan, that's modern history. It goes back 120 years. And then on the other side, at the zenith of the previous we generation, when we're talking about groupthink, we had Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1943, FDR. And at the zenith of the we before FDR, we had Abraham Lincoln, you know, 
binding up the wounds of the nation, trying to gather everybody to get back together and, and uh, make us a single nation again, trying to, to think of the group instead of the individual. And you look at these people and you say, you know, there's, there's not a bad one and a good one. It's just different ways of thinking for the masses. It's not about individuals. It's however, not, you know, however, those are all American uh, examples. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we have we have been greatly blessed uh, for the most part um, because um, you know we didn't have the uh, the political turmoil as much as we had in in other countries, and we had things that really united us. You said something just a minute ago that depending on who controls the narrative, uh, that's, that's where you get into trouble. For instance, over in uh, Europe, same time scale, the me's and the we's happening in the same time? Absolutely. Um, so, the Western society is in, is in lockstep, but then Asia, uh, what we think of as the Eastern um, Hemisphere, is in the opposite cycle. So where we're going toward a, me, a we, they're going toward a me. And so that explains everything you're seeing in China right now. And does that include Russia? Or no, Russia, is, Russia, is part of the, Russia is part of the we, interestingly enough. It's okay. part of Western society. Um, all right. So tell me, um, uh, you know, we had FDR, but the rest of the world had... Uh, Hitler and Stalin. Hitler, remember, Stalin, that, Mussolini, uh, the uh, they were the emperor also of Japan. in a we. That see, they were uh, Hitler was defining the common good, and he convinced the Germans that you know, hey, you know, if we're going to clean up this mess, we all need to work together and get rid of the Jews. And so we look at Hitler as profoundly evil, but the Germans in Germany at that time did not. The, you know, they felt like they were working together for the common good. They were uncomfortable and they thought this was a little screwy, perhaps, but. When people are in a frame of mind of working together for the common good, they polarize. And this is the, the ugly part of a we cycle. They polarize. Explain that. Okay. Now, okay, Glenn, a couple days ago, New York Times, you wrote a really, really brilliant, astoundingly insightful op-ed. And I was fascinated by it. And, and you brought up again the whole Black Lives Matter controversy. And I said, how courageous. It is just astounding that he didn't learn his lesson when he got spanked for bringing this up the first time. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> I heard some laughter in the background. Yeah, so here's yes. the thing. In a, we, in a we cycle, when you're in the second half of a we upswing, where we are right now, if you want to have power, if you want to have authority, if you want to make money, if you want to have listeners – you have to be the voice leading the people with the torches and the pitchforks. Well, I will That's tell you this. I will tell you this, um, uh, Roy. Um, that is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And quite honestly, as I wrote that op-ed and uh, as I do the things that I'm doing, I realize, um, you know, your book is really aimed towards business on how to be successful at these times. And everything I am doing is not lining up with your book. Uh, well, right now, but, Glenn, the fact that you're trying to argue for a little bit more of a moderated voice of reason, when you say, hey, listen, let's at least listen to what they're trying to say. Let's at least try to hear them 
and see where they're coming from. These people are not altogether stupid. These people are not altogether evil. Let's at least try to hear them and consider what they're saying. Well, Glenn, that won't work in the upswing of a, of a we, especially in the second half of an upswing. It just won't. And so if you do that, I just want you to know, it's going to cost you listeners. It's going to cost you authority. It's going to cost you money. It's the right thing to do, but it, it won't pay off. So then what do you do when your culture is starting to go off the rails? How do you, how, how do you temper that? How do you pull it back? Not, not necessarily to a, uh, 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 me, but to uh, at least to a place to where we're not polarizing, demonizing, and killing each other. Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I write from time to time about the difference between doing well and doing good. Doing well means that you're making a lot of money and you have a lot of authority and everybody is cheering your name. But doing good means that you're making a difference. But wait, 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 but wait, I, 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 I'd like to go into that with you, but I, um, I want to make sure doing, um, doing well is connected to being able to have the voice to do good. Do you know what I mean? If you don't have, if if I polarize myself into a place to where there's nobody listening to me, I can't do good. No, I, I, here's what's really weird, all right? This week, somebody brought to my attention that uh, Donald Trump had the whole congratulations to um, Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And one of my, one of my business partners, um, Jeff Sexton, he said, hey, do you remember a dozen years ago in 2004 in the Monday Morning Memo archives? He gave me the, the hyperlink to it. He said, you wrote about Donald Trump and Mother Teresa in a memo 12 years ago. And I went back and I read it. And it was this, this idea of doing well versus doing good. I said, Donald Trump has always done well, but Mother Teresa has always done good. And I said, there's a sharp contrast between those two. And so long before he was involved in politics, I said, he's an example of doing well. And I said, but my question is, who's doing the most good? And so you can't say that Mother Teresa did well by any standard of um, commercial success. But yet, you know she did an enormous amount of good. And so you don't get as many people following you, but you do make a difference when you're willing to be the minority voice saying, hey, doggone it, maybe black lives do matter. Roy, is there anything to, this might be a really stupid question, uh, is, is this part of the reason why some people are just, they don't uh, get the credit that they deserve in their generation? Because they're they're out of step with that time period, perhaps, in some ways? That that is something that we didn't cover in the book, and I want to applaud you because that is astoundingly insightful. You're precisely right. Whenever a person comes along and does exactly the right thing but in the wrong window of time, um, they are literally ahead of their time. And future generations may look back at them and realize, oh, my God gosh, this person was prescient. This person was, was, you know, they were clairvoyant. They saw the future, say, 40 years in advance, but they were just simply out of, out of step. Because Gandhi and Bonhoeffer both are in the we era, and right. they, both were, they both felt very alone. They were completely out of step with the rest of the world. Counterculture voices, absolutely. They were counterculture voices. They were out of step with the masses 
And uh, whenever you stood up for Black Lives Matter, I applauded you. And I said, you know what? We need to have that conversation, but people aren't ready to hear it right now, Glenn. So you've got yeah. some tough choices to make. <laughs> I know. Uh, quick, quick clarification, because as we're, you're talking about this, Roy, see if you can define this for me. Uh, my whole life, I have always been told by everyone that the we generation is good and the me generation is bad. bad. But oh, that's no, not really that's the way crazy. you look at it. That's crazy. That's insane. As a matter of fact, I am far more terrified of the excesses of the we generation than mm. the me generation. Yes. The me generation at its zenith, uh, Glenn, is simple depravity. And we, we just become really, we become idiots. We, we have disco and we're wearing costumes and we're pretending to be something <laughs> we're not. We're just idiots, you know. Right. Um, that's as bad as it gets. It's just like at the zenith uh, of the we, you know, Michael Jackson's Thriller album, album came out and everybody is dancing and it's highly produced mm-hmm. and it's, you know, all choreographed and it's just slick, super that's slick. That's at the me. That's the that's zenith the of the that's me. The me. Yeah. And so that's right. the zenith of the me. That's as bad as it gets. Big deal. But did you realize... Glenn, in the history of Western society in the past 3,000 years, since the time of Solomon, the only time we burn people at the stake or cut off their heads is at the zenith of a we. The Mm. Civil War in America happened precisely Mm. at the zenith of a we. 1863 was the middle of the five-year Civil War, and it was the zenith of the we. Because I'm a a student of history, uh, I've read The Fourth Turning, I'm a student of the Kondraki of Wave. Um, Roy, is this is are do those line up with what you found the pendulum? Yeah, they echo for sure. Um, I was on a little different track with my co-author Michael Drew. I haven't mentioned Michael, and I feel bad about it, but Michael was an incredibly important part of this process. And the the other works that you've talked about had a little bit different focus, a little bit yeah. different agenda. But, but, what yes, about, but yeah, I'm asking if they yeah, if they line up with one another, if they if you've looked at, for instance, the fourth turning and seen the generations, because I think it's the same. No, I think I, it's the I, same people, just different, just a different way of looking at it. Precisely. I even okay. acknowledge generations whenever I um, when Michael and I first began talking about this process, I, I talked to Dr. Richard D. Grant. He's uh, on our board of directors. And he said, you know, he said about a decade ago, and remember this was in 2004, yeah. he said about a decade ago, there was a book written called Generations. You yes, should probably yes. look at it. Yes, I And have. I realized, oh my gosh, these guys are saying the same thing, but they're articulating it differently, yeah. and yeah. They, they come to slightly different conclusions. Okay. And they, but yeah, there's, there's definitely an overlay. So, uh, Roy, I want to, I want to, I have about six and a half minutes here, and so... Um, uh, what I want to do is I want to make sure that you stay away from politics because I don't want to know because I think it will minimize and diminish your book. I have no idea if you are for one side or the other, and I don't want to know because I think this is important that everybody reads this book. Let me tell you that um, because of the Kondrakiev Wave, the fourth turning, and knowing history, and now your book on top of it, it's one reason why I have been so strong on I can't vote for either one of these people um, because, and I'm not looking for political commentary, um, because I know what season we're going into. And as you said, the leading voice will, as I read it, 
um, um, lead us one way or another, make it worse or decelerate the effects of this. Uh, 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 am I right in in that? No, again, Glenn, you hit the bullseye. Um, we were just extraordinarily lucky to have Abraham Lincoln as our president during the Civil yes. War because if he had done what the typical leader would do, whoever is on the winning side just decimates the other side. And, of course, he had a lot of pressure on him to just, you know, take everything from the South, bankrupt everybody, take away their stuff, you lost, go away. And he said, no, 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 we're going to welcome them back as brothers. That was an extraordinary thing at the zenith of a we. That just never happens. And so each side is looking for their champion to try to completely gut the other side. Right. And we just can't let that happen, Glenn. I mean, we so have to try to find you... somebody who's... who's who's willing to hear both sides. So how do we, is there an example from history on people who have, who have lessened or minimized the impact? First, let me start here. What does 2023 look like? What are we headed for? If it goes unmitigated, and to, to answer your, your, your first question, is there anything we can do? Yes. Has it ever actually worked? No. If you, if you look at the polarity today of two sides squaring off with each other, and what has always been highly polarized seems to be accelerating and becoming more and more venomous. Spooky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, really scary. And just over the top, uh, both sides. And you're sitting there thinking, how did we wind up here? Well, now imagine one of these people gaining power and then having the authority to implement their will on the other side. Now, it doesn't matter who wins. Yes. If they, have, if they have all of Congress behind them and they can just completely bury the other side, this is bad. Because what it means is the people who are being oppressed, the people who don't feel like they're being heard, come to a boiling point. And we saw this with the French Revolution. I mean, we saw this with the Civil War. It, it comes to a head if you don't give your opponent the opportunity to be heard. Uh, it's, it's a mess. So, um, it, because uh, I think the, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, uh, before Abraham Lincoln, it was the American Revolution, and that time period gave us Robespierre, and it also gave us Washington. And right. there was something, that it, uh, quite frankly, in my view, it was God and the absence of God, and that and the and the understand the correct understanding of God because God will also take you to you know in the in incorrect understanding will take you to the Inquisition. So the yeah. correct understanding of God in America and the lack of God in in France, which led to horrid horrid things at the same time, and even uh, some of our founders missed that and started to defend Robespierre at the very beginning. Um, oh, no question. No, yeah. I think you're on the right track, Glenn, for sure. The idea is, you're right, the, the revolution, you know, we the people, and uh, that was the zenith of a we, and they said, you know, we just can't stand for this anymore. They're, we're going to stand up against our country, England, and we're going to reject the government. And that's how this nation was born. And so uh, when you look at a we... And you say, okay, when the we manifests itself throughout Western civilization, if it has a, an overzealous leader, 
things get astoundingly ugly, like it did in the French Revolution, where tens of thousands of people were guillotined. And it gets incredibly ugly in the next we with Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin and Mussolini. Thank goodness, you know, we had FDR. And I mean, maybe you don't like his politics, but at least he tried to remind everybody that we were one nation and we were brothers. And we just have to hope and pray, Glenn, that in 2023, we just have to hope that we have a leader who isn't so single-minded that they cannot hear what the other side is saying. That's what we have to hope. Yeah, well, good luck with that one. Um, could I have you back, Roy? I'd actually, actually like to have you come into town at some point and spend the day. I, I would like to know what are the qualities that we need to start to grow in people you know, I met with one of the righteous among the nations, and I said, how do we plant that tree of righteousness in those times? How do we plant that tree, in, or, or how do we water that tree? Because I think the seed lives in all of us. She said, Glenn, the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with everyone else. But I think there is also, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in America that may not see it as clearly as perhaps you see what's coming, um, and... And, but they want to be part of 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 saving us from darkness, uh, and I would like to help foster that in people. Can you help us with that? Well, the the question you asked was, what is the quality that will help us survive? Yes. And this is going to sound insane until you contemplate it. But believe it or not, the thing that we need to foster in each other is a tolerance for ambiguity a lack of certainty. And when you have a strong opinion, but you realize that a person can be intelligent and a person can be good and have the exact opposite opinion, and for you to hold in your head, okay, this is interesting. I'm not changing my mind, but I realize this person is not evil. I realize this person is not stupid. And, right. I'm, and, so, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I've got a network break, and I've got to take it. Can we no have problem. you back, sir? You We'd bet. love to have you back. Thank you very much. The name it. of the book is Pendulum. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. The last time you purchased your mattress, you were also paying for things you didn't know. You're paying for the showroom. You're paying for the guy's salary who helped you, the commissions, and the reseller's profit. Casper Mattress has changed all of that. They sell directly to you. That's why the most comfortable mattress you have ever slept on is going to save you a ton of money cost you much less than the mattress you bought years ago. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need. Also, Time Magazine, because of this, named it one of the best inventions of 2015. And your Casper mattress ships free and is delivered in a small, kind of really, honestly, how did they do that kind of box? Tanya and I have a Casper mattress, and we love it. Try one in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund every single penny. And right now, you can get $50 off of the purchase of any mattress by visiting casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com slash Glenn.